You are listening to Bullet Points with Margot Bennett, the Executive Director of Women Against Gun Violence. Bullet Points is our 15-minute monthly update on hot topics in the gun violence prevention movement. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. I'm Margot Bennett, the Executive Director of Women Against Gun Violence, and this is Bullet Points, our 15-minute or less podcast where we update you on hot topics in the gun violence prevention movement. Before I start on the main topic of this month's bullet points, I first want to briefly address California's Governor Gavin Newsom's pledge to empower private citizens to enforce a ban on the manufacture and sale of assault weapons in the state by using private lawsuits citing the same authority claimed by conservative lawmakers in Texas to outlaw most abortions once a heartbeat is detected. The Supreme Court has created a new precedent by allowing personal financial vigilanteism to outweigh the legal protections that have stood for decades. So why not use the same court finding to protect the gun violence prevention movement? or what I like to think of as the real pro-life movement. After all, the gun violence prevention movement is trying to protect our children, families, and communities from death and injury by gunfire. We are trying to save the over 40,000 lives lost each year due to gun violence by taking weapons of war off our neighborhood streets. What could be more pro-life than that. So I say, although the anti-choice movement and the anti-gun violence movement are not the same, the application of the law should be. I applaud Governor Newsom's efforts. In good news, the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld California's ban on large-capacity firearm magazines in an 8-3 ruling. This ruling overturns Judge Benita's pro-gun lobby 2019 opinion that reversed California's ban on high-capacity magazines. In that 2019 opinion, Benita's wrote, Mass shootings can seem to be a common problem, but in fact are exceedingly rare. He ignored that there are more mass shootings in 2019 than days, according to the Gun Violence Archive, and just a year after the Thousand Oaks mass murder in 2018, where 12 people died. True to his gun lobby talking points, Benitez didn't mention the rarity of defensive gun use, although he did rely on defensive gun use as a reason to allow high-capacity magazines, and cited gruesome but rare true crime events in his opinion. Also, in the local news, the Los Angeles City Council has unanimously approved the ban on ghost guns in the city. Good news, but we are watching efforts by some council members to arm Los Angeles City Park Rangers. Not good news. And now, I want to talk just a little bit about grief. First, the caveat. I am not a social worker or a grief counselor 
or a psychologist, or anyone trained in providing grief support. I am just someone who grieves, like you, and thought I would take the holiday season, which is frequently a trigger for grieving, and the end of the year when many of us reflect on the year as a whole, to share some thoughts and my personal experiences. I come from a family of people who celebrated big and whose friends celebrated big. But I have come to realize recently that those celebrations came from a place of very big grief. Grief for family, friends, and millions of lives. I was raised that I have, that we all have, a duty to embrace life, to celebrate life, to appreciate life, and to take a big bite of the apple, all to make up for all the celebrations those we had lost were deprived. I also come from a religion that has a very prescribed way, including a timeline, of mourning those lost. And in some ways, that has been enormously helpful when feeling hopeless and floundering. But in some ways, it hasn't been helpful at all, because grief has no timeline. There is no finish line. It is not a race. Grief has its own lifespan that is unique to each of us. There is no specific time frame for when pain and grief are complete. It may never be complete. There is no one way to grieve. You can't do grief wrong. Since joining the gun violence prevention movement, I've also discovered that the press frequently gets to decide whose death is important and therefore whose grief is important. Because of the circumstances or the press coverage or size of the community impacted, some losses are perceived to be bigger than others. Each year we memorialize large shootings that took many lives at once, as though those losses are more deserving of recognition. They are not. All of our losses are deserving of recognition and support. We don't all get to have legislation named after our son or daughter, or husband, or wife. We don't all get to have a day where the nation comes together to recognize our loss. We do not all have the resources to take time away from work to meet with legislators, form organizations, organize memorials, picket, lobby. But all of our losses are important, and we, you, are entitled to grieve and to receive the support we desire in our grief. Even the monster has people who love him or her and who mourn their loss. We can recognize people's pain and grief without comparing it to how they have it better or someone else has it worse or theirs was more important or theirs had more of an impact. In closing, I strongly recommend writings by Megan Devine and by John Pavlovitz, both who write compellingly about grief. I wish you peace of mind and heart, and if you are able, 
I encourage you to be what you loved most about the people you loved who are gone. If you have any questions or topics you would like us to address, please be sure to email me at wagv at wagv.org. Thank you for listening to Bullet Points, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Visit our website at wagv.org to sign up for our action alerts. We're looking forward to you joining us next month.